I lived very much in that um, that sympathetic state, you know, fight or flight. Um, and I think I was probably just so scared. And you know, you talk about standards, you know, things that were reiterated to us, you know, constantly. It's a daily renewable contract. Mm-hmm. You know, you wear that beret, but don't think in one moment that that beret can be stripped away and you're gone. Whether it's the clothes you wear to work or a metaphor for putting up a front, we all wear a uniform. But often there's a lot going on behind the uniform, and many of us are reluctant to express how we are really feeling. Each week on Behind the Uniform, Dr Izzy Smith and Captain Hugo Tooby will be joined by a special guest as they talk openly and honestly about their experiences with mental health. Nothing will be off limits, so prepare yourself for tears, laughter and goosebumps. Hello and welcome everybody back to Behind the Uniform podcast for episode three. And sitting beside me as always is Izzy. How are you going, Iz? I'm good. I've just finished a big week of work. Glad that I've got a day off. Excited for today's episode. And it's a bloody sunny day in Sydney, so I'm pretty stoked. I know. All the little positives, hey? And it's, um, look, today we're pretty privileged and fortunate to have a an amazing man sitting next to us or opposite me for this episode. And he, um, his name's Steve Willis, but you'd also might know him as Commando Steve, as uh, as he's well known as. He's had a little, little chuckle while I'm saying that in that voice, because I don't know why I said that voice. I just wanted to make it sound more <laughs> like official. But no, look, Steve, um, Steve spent about 10 years in the army uh, as a commando, hence the name. He didn't just come up with that. It was, um, some people think I did. <laughs> some, well, there you go. So he actually was a commando. Um, and after that, he kind of transitioned to the life of the biggest loser, uh, for also about 10 years or so, mm-hmm. um, gracing our television screens. And so although he comes across as this big hard-ass and, um, you know, macho, tough military man, he's uh, actually a self-proclaimed big softie at heart. I'm glad you <laughs> didn't forget that. That was my favourite part. <laughs> <laughs> which which we quite like. And this is what this episode's going to explore, Steve, is that, you know, kind of what goes on behind the uniform and behind that sort of Steve Willis and that commando is, yeah. you know, that you're also just a normal guy. Um, you've obviously had battles with your own mental health mm-hmm. over the years. And so we're going to absolutely explore some of that. Yep. Uh, but before we do get into it, um, I just wanted to ask you, it's a, it's a question that you know I think can tell a lot about someone, but what are you doing when you're at your most happiest? So when you're at your most happiest, doing something, whatever that might be, or whoever it might be with, when are you kind of at your happiest? My happiest is, it's, it's almost doing nothing. It's just being. Just being life, just mm. enjoying it and just listening to the both of you in the introduction there and just some of the little things, the gratitudes and the um, the attentiveness to those small things, that's where I derive a lot of my happiness and joy. And for a long time, I didn't see that. You know, it was very much like a horse with the blinkers on and there was always this goal or something that I was chasing and the blinkers stopped me from being able to see all of that wonderful stuff. Mm. Sounds like being present is exactly. when you're happiest. Yeah, I love it, it. being present. It's, it's, I love it. It's, it's kind of, it's deep and simple, but it's so powerful at the same time. I think it's, it's great. Definitely. But it's, um, it's a lot of hard work too. It's a, it's a daily practice to, um, and a willingness to explore it. It's, you know, I, I think, you know, my life and we'll probably get into it more is, um, you know, it's come from exercise and a, and a lot of hard work, you know, really stepping to the periphery of things and then a willingness to you know, kind of jump off into the unknown and um, then having those experiences and reflecting on it. But, um, yeah, and, and, and just 
I just think just age as well. You know, I'm a little bit older, although I still feel like a little kid at times. <laughs> That's good. I've definitely got happier as I've got older, older and wiser. Mm. No, Not it, as old as you, though. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you, Come on. Oh, don't be, worry. You must be nice to our guest. <laughs> it's always, it's, it's, uh, it's the funny thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, you're old by the younger ones. And then, then you're talking with people and there's always someone that's a few years older than you. are like, what are you talking about? You're not old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, talking about age, Steve, we might go into a little bit about um, what your life was like growing up and mm-hmm. what led you to be in the military. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, teenage or childhood, Steve? Yeah. So, I guess I grew up in Queensland, a youngster. Um, I kind of had a stepdad come into my – well, I, kind of, I did have a stepdad come into my life when I was five, and that really shook things up for me. Um, I, I, hey – you're young, you don't – well, maybe you block a lot of stuff out. But I found that um, I struggled in my younger years with a lot of uh, uh, just my identity and who I was. And I think that um, magnified as I came into my teen years and I was constantly seeking uh, validation and, and acceptance. And my stepdad struggled a lot you know, within himself and mm. there wasn't too much there. Um, so I just found, you know, the view that I had of myself wasn't that great. So when I started exercising more and more, I guess that was my drug of choice and I used it in a way to, I guess, try and change who I was. So when you were how old? Well, I, 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 I played sport and I was very active. Yeah. But then as a teenager, um, and my parents allowed me to start like training as such in a gym. I would have been 13 or 14. And I remember you know, even in the morning before school, I'd get up you know, pretty early and I'd just go and run. I don't know. I just, I just, maybe I just had this, this pain or this. Bit of escape for you almost. Yeah, well, I just think that a certain anguish that I was experiencing, there was no physical activity mm. that could, that, um, that was more than what I was feeling kind of inside. So I would use that as a means to try and calm it or suppress release. it through a period, release it. And, um, you know, uh, anyone that's trained for a long period of time, to, to maintain it and to, to show up every day and be consistent with it, it, it takes a lot. You've got to ask a lot of yourself and the intentions and the reasons behind why you do it. And I think just over my life – um, and why I engaged at the start was a lot different to where I am now. Yeah, and it's it's yeah interesting you say that you've kind of transformed the reasons why you did it, and mm. we'll definitely be exploring that. And obviously, exercise and fitness is a, is a huge part of your whole life and your journey. Yeah. But when you talk about that relationship with your stepdad, who is that father figure mm. in your life, and and you know for people listening who who have might had you know difficult childhoods yeah. and, and different sort of trauma or, or whatever they can kind of refer back to. What yeah. what did that ultimately teach you, and and how did that sort of um, you know make you as a person in those sort of I call vulnerable years? Of, yeah. of growing up, and we'll talk then how that led to you joining the military. Yeah. But what was that actually like, um, you know, well, at the time? Well, I look back now, and I realise I've always just been a big softy, a very empathetic, compassionate person. But I saw in my stepdad this hard ass, and I just I admired certain attributes and character traits that he, I guess, portrayed, and I just wanted to be more like that. But then there was other things that the way in which he was and the, how he dealt with pretty much or almost every situation 
um, reflecting back now, I, I realised that um, I didn't need to be um, that man, that person. I didn't need to father the way in which he fathered or, you know, sometimes utilise that, but the majority of the time I didn't need to, mm. you know, be flying off the handle or, you know, getting angry about the, the littlest of things. You just, it's a, as it, to be a child is a learning experience. You're a blank canvas and to be constantly, you know, the discipline, like, like a lot of discipline. And that was my younger years. And I guess that's why I've been able to cultivate and do certain things in my life is because there was a lot of discipline and there was a lot of, you know, focusing and being attentive to the really small things. Um, and I wouldn't say that's all my father. He just heightened those things within me. So I, I, I thought that they, you know, talking about values earlier, were the things that were most valuable. And that's where I needed to put my energy and time. There's so many valuable, just from what you said then, take-homes. It seems like when you were young, did you feel like you needed to be that type of person to yeah. be accepted and loved and by him? That's exactly right. and um, Which you shouldn't. Everyone no. as a child should feel loved and secure but I, I, for being themselves. Exactly. And I see that in my kids. And, and you hear it from a lot of children too. When they do something, are you proud of me? It's like oh, just we're all to be a, wanting yeah, to be loved yeah, and validated. But, but we think that, that that validation and that confirmation of, of, of who we are needs to be in something that we do. Mm. And just to be a human being and, and you're brought into this world, that love and nurture should be there, period. There sh- you shouldn't have to do or not do or to be good or to you're be bad. Child. You're a child. Exactly. Yeah. And so from seeking that validation – from your dad of that type mm. of person that mm. he was and what you thought you should be. Mm-hmm. Do you think that led you towards being in the military? Yep, yep. So I, well, through my natural father's side, there was builders, you know, my, my natural father's brothers and the like were builders and architects asking, and the like. Do you mind asking, because I lost my dad when I was little. Mm. What happened to your biological well, dad? Well, he's, he's, he's still around. Um, there was just my mum and him didn't work and it kind of, you know, they went separate ways. And my mum's actually from the West Indies and Bar- from Barbados. And when I was little, and I, I think that fell apart, she went back to Barbados with me for, for a few years. Mm. And I kind of lived on this little island in the in the Bahamas. Yeah. Maybe and, that's um, why you went on Survivor. <laughs> and, um, How cool. And, um, yeah, then you know, I guess she decided to come back to Australia and I, I would have been, I think I was about four or so, four or five, and, and she met my stepdad, and that's where that journey kind of right. began. But um, and do you still have a relationship with either um, your, your stepdad, or mm. do you, have you reached out since you know in your adult life to your natural? Well, dad? my natural dad life? has been in and out when I was younger, um, but I guess I, I made more of a choice to embrace you know, my stepdad's, I guess, name as well, and and just you know. Just who he was, he was as, as the a one man. That was present and there. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And, and, and um, you know, for all the hang-ups and you know the upset that I carried when I was younger, and you know, to a degree resentment towards him, I, I just realised he was just doing the best that he that he that he could. Mm. And there was a lot of things that happened for him that you know probably don't need to go into it because that's his stuff. Sure. But um, you know, I, I called him yes, or you know, called him for uh, for Father's Day and as as well and. You know, it's it's great to have a conversation as as adults now, and you know you're you're a lot more in tune and aware of you know what's going on in the world and within yourself, and you can have and articulate those conversations a lot better than a child kind of 
parent relationship. And it's, it's interesting you say that as well because until you're, and I'm not a, a dad myself, but until you're a, a dad and you mm. go through fatherhood and you obviously got, you know, proud father of four, yeah. you don't realise that, it, you know, it can be pretty fucking hard work being a, being a dad and growing oh, up and being that father figure. Yeah. Always to, to your kids. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard. And anyone that's a parent will put their hand in the air and go, yes. But um, again, you know, at your most happiest and, you know, what you where do you derive your joy and the like? And a lot of that is spending time, you know, with my kids and mm. you, that that presence. And it's it's actually the presence. It's not always so much about the, the time span. It's about um, the time that you spend with them and how present you are and that engagement and um, the way in which – I guess you handle yourself within certain environments and um, is, and that's where they're learning their lessons. And it's not always the things that you say, but a lot of the time it's the things that you can accept and let go um, is how they kind of grasp um, the, you know, what's, what's transpiring for them. Mm. It's like you want your children to be honest people. Mm. Be honest to your children. Yeah. You want your p- children to be kind. I don't know if you've heard of the um, author Brene Brown. Yes. But I loved, you know, I don't have children, but it's something mm. I'd like to do. And I found that really refreshing as, okay, it's simple, you know, yeah. be be what you want to instill in your children. They're, yeah, and that's exactly right. And I guess you, there's no real need to add anything more to that. But there was a, a wonderful post that I saw the other day and around being com- kind and compassionate and the like. And I don't know if it's been something that's across the you know the history of humanity but it's freaking hard to be kind and compassionate you know majority of the time a lot of us tend to lean on those very strong emotions and it's then how we handle those emotions and a lot of the time these little kids are the ones that bear the brunt of those mm. you know and, and I think of myself you know Six foot two, nearly a hundred kilos, and I'm fronting this little four year old, and um, I'm big yeah. and scary enough as it is. Let alone raise, my, and my voice is deep enough. You know, my tone changes. You know, the inflection in how I use my words, the look in my eye. Like, right. That that. Uh, like, the, the, the only way I can relate to that is my, my little dog, Ernie, who's two. <laughs> when he when I come home and he's dug a big hole in the garden and you just go, Ernie, was this you? And he's like, you swap it down. Yeah, they know straight away. They know straight away. So I know it's not a, a kid, but I call him my little fur baby. But, so. but, it's, but really it's no different. Yeah. They're, they're an entity of the, in and of themselves and, and they not just – it's the energy, isn't it? And children are more in tune with the energy of things than, than – um, a lot of us adults are and, and that recognition that we're working you know, from that place. And, you know, the perfect example is text messages and emails and things like that and how they can be misconstrued. But when we have face-to-face conversations, hence this, you know, this podcast, you know, we could be doing this via Zoom mm-hmm. and the like, but we always derive so much more goodness or gold, you know, from, um, from those interactions. Exactly right. And I think, um, yeah, that's why we love having you here today. And it's, you know, just having these chats and connecting mm. with you on an emotional level. I think it's important. And so, you know, moving on from th- those years as, as such, and you said that's kind of the person you were mm. growing up, um, mm. you know, what led you then to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the army, sign the dotted line, and, and that's going to be my life? Well, I, I wanted an apprenticeship as a, as a builder. And it was um, pretty tough to get back in the, the mid 90s. Yeah, the I same age to... as my brother, and he's a carpenter. Yeah. And it was really tough to get an apprenticeship. Yeah. And so a friend of the family ha- 
had actually just retired from the military and he'd been in engineers and he said, well, you can do your ticket or get your trade through engineers. So, oh, bam, there we go. So I joined and um, I was scared out of my brains and I actually joined on my mum's birthday, believe it or not. She was pretty disappointed. Going to the army. <laughs> and um, that's just the enlistment date they gave me. Mm. And, you know, you can't pick and choose that. And uh, so I... I Ended up at um, Kapuka, did all the, the recruit training, and I did well in the um, recruit training side of things. So I got to choose which corps I went to, and um, there was a few spots for infantry and the like, and you know, a lot of the uh, the instructors around were from infantry and the like, and they're like, there's no, part, there's no point being in the army unless you go to infantry. You know, you can do any other job in the army in Civvy Street, so piss off back to Civvy Street if you want to. You, you guys want to told do this, me you're... about this. You still get a thing. bit of that now, though, yeah. sometimes. It's like, you know, infantry or nothing. Yeah, you know, I know. Like... So I was like 18, 19, I'm like, all right, I'm going to infantry. <laughs> and um, so then I found myself- Especially with... growing up with a pretty strict dad, yeah. and now you've got these people in the army, well, I you can just... imagine you'd identify them as father figures. Yep. And, and therein is, you know, where I guess that perspective of life and upholding a lot of those values um, um, are. So that's what I I felt compelled to do. And, you know, it wasn't a hard decision um, once you've got, you know, a couple of blokes and you kind of identify within them the things that you, I probably saw in my, in my father. So then I found myself at the School of Infantry at Singleton and you know, went through all the, the training there. And then I was posted into... Um, 4RAR, you know, and then there's a whole story there, but what 4RAR needed was reinforcements to build the unit. And then in 1996, um, it had been earmarked to transition to a full-time um, special forces unit, you know, under the commando banner. And that took, you know, a number of years, you know, with the in-house politics within you know, any organisation, especially large organisations. And, um, you know, I spent the rest of my army career there and after Timor, or actually around that Timor time, um, and there'd been that the September the 11th, mm. and so the Australian government recognised they needed a second counterterrorism capability, so they raised TAG East, and I was a part of forming TAG East for the last two years of my career, wow. which was, hey, it was pretty damn hard because mm. SAS didn't want us to have it, and um, yeah, it, it, but um, the things that I learnt from, from that, and just looking back at it, the lessons and, and like the things that I, I still utilize to this day, a lot of it is, is the awareness and it's the, um, I, I remember some of my best mates being failed in the, the, they've changed the course names, but it used to be like a CQB course and um, they were failed on awareness. And you think, you, you think that's a bit of a cop out and you think it was more of a personality clash and that because that someone was in a position that they had authority, they could fail someone. But then when you go through all of that training and you end up in the role where you're training people coming through to fulfill that role, you go, wow, that awareness is, is the biggest thing. And it's the ability to just assimilate what's going on mm. in timeframes that most people don't live their lives in. It's bloody tough training, though. And for people listening that, you know, I've gone through my own military training mm. and, you know, some of that was tough, even just doing the officer training and stuff at Duntroon and, and the like. But when you're doing, when you're talking commando and special mm. forces training and the standards that you have to be at, yeah. um, not just physically but mentally. And I, I wanted to touch on that. You know, this this podcast is called Behind the Uniform yeah. and, and obviously you're wearing that literal uniform and that, mm. you know, the face cream and the bloody um, body armour and stuff like that. And, you, you know, yeah. you are that hard-ass commando. Um, through all your training, but I suppose underneath all of that, underneath the uniform, behind that uniform, what was your mental health like, right? We're talking a lot about physical health and how you have to be robust physically. Yeah. 
Um, but during those army days, did you think much about your mental health at that stage or not really just kind of cracked on and yeah. got on with it? I definitely just cracked on. Um, I think I, I lived very much in that, um, that sympathetic state, you know, fight or flight. Um, and I think I was probably just so scared and, you know, you talk about standards, you know, things that were reiterated to us, you know, constantly, it's a daily renewable contract. Mm-hmm. You know, you wear that beret, but don't think in one moment that that beret can be stripped away and you're gone. And um, you, you had to uphold those standards. And, and the more that you expose yourself to anything, it starts to fall within those parameters of norm. At the start, it's 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 overwhelming. And then you hone those skills and it just, all right, you know, I can handle this. Um, but uh, Nine years of being in a sympathetic state is making me feel stressed well, just well, listening. But and, and, and that's what happened. Like, I, would, I would constantly end up I was sick. I'd, get, I'd be run down. You'd end up with a cold, you know, a lot of those things. And, again, that's perspective. And a lot of that stems back to my childhood and hypervigilance. There was enough hypervigilance there before I joined the military. It, it definitely aided me in the military, but there's – to this day, there's a hangover. Mm. It's interesting and a concept I like thinking about is we all have our different personality traits, mm. some that we like and some we don't like as much. I'm a quite anxious person mm-hmm. and that upsets me, but I also can recognise that those anxious personality traits has also helped me get to where I am today. Yes. It has its downsides, but they also have their good sides. Yeah. And for people that are struggling... I think that can be good to reflect on and be like, you know, I hate that I'm feeling like this now, but it has taught me lessons. It has also got its benefits. Oh, definitely. And I think that's where we get hung up on what's good and bad. And um, everything, we live in a reality of polarities. And we spoke about it earlier, the sun's shining, but it's someplace else in the world, it's nighttime. Mm. And the hypervigilance of things, it can be quite debilitating because it wears you out. But then that hypervigilance can aid you in certain job descriptions and things that you do. So finding yourself somewhere in the middle and not being too much, you know, to either side, I think is, and we talk about that, you know, with the balance of things. And um, that's that's an art. That's, therein is a lot of the lessons. And, and I think the path is through, whereas a lot of us try, um, oh, I've got PTSD or, oh, you're hypervigilant. Oh, I'm hypervigilant. So you try to, if you don't like it, you try to escape it mm. and you try to suppress or or, or, you know, or you start doing things to ignore. Mm. And um, therein, therein can be the layering process and creating more issues for yourself. Mm. Do you think you did that in your army years of ignoring? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it was just ignorance and, and youth and ego. You just, you're like a bull at a gate. You know, and the blinkers are on, and you're like, all right, this is what we got to do, all right, and that's what the boys are doing, and there's no bloody way I'm getting left behind. Like I'm, I'm going to be up there with the boys. Once we start moving along that, you know, timeline, obviously now we'll sort of start touching on your your time in the Biggest Loser and what you kind of learned there. But why did you, first of all, leave the army? You know, we, we're, we're speaking about the, the what you learnt from it and all of that. Was it just the time was right? Why did you leave it? Because I know we touched offline about mm. this. When you did leave it, you did have a few issues in in transitioning out, and you know your self worth mm. and what you were going to do. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it it that's probably one of the scariest you know points in my life because you've honed these skills, you've you've embodied this way of being, and um, the friendships that you've formed you know with people, and leaving that behind to to something that you don't have a clue that what you're really going getting yourself into, um, and that was just. 
everyday life as a civilian, it um, scared the life out of me. Um, but the one thing that I could anchor myself in was physical activity. And and the other thing I was thinking, oh, damn, I get to get these 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 camos off. You know, I don't have to wear the long sleeve and the long pants all the time. Funnily enough, I end up on the biggest loser wearing the bloody camo wearing pants all camos. day long. At least I've got to wear a singlet. Yeah, it's yeah sunny. that's true. But, slightly um, different. Yeah. But it's, you, you talk about that, though, stripping back, you know, taking mm. behind that uniform off. And I feel like military, you do have that sense of belonging, that identity. Mm. You know, you kind of wake up in the morning, you put that uniform on. Um, but often I think, you know, yes, that can be enriching and that can be great, but it can also mask sometimes and I've done it. I've put my uniform on and, and you know, you, you, you kind of put on that, that front. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you did transition out and you didn't have that, obviously before your biggest lose of time, was that your first exposure to your own sort of mental health and when you started struggling a bit um, or when you kind of – because I know you touched on, we talked about that since, you know, you've got a lot of mm. – unfortunately, you've had a lot yeah. of comrades who have um, since left and, and taken their, their own life. Mm. That's been an issue. Was that an issue for you initially? Uh, like I, the struggles for me started back in my teens and my, I guess, my value of, of, of myself mm. and, you know, and, and my self-worth and the like, but, um, it, it wasn't too much of an issue. I, I can't ever remember it being an issue in the military or being aware of it, but then in leaving the military and, and you're right with that identity side of things and donning that uniform, and that sense of identity, but for me, mm. the military and and the the reasons for there being a military and being a part of the military for me, um, I questioned a lot. And um, you know, since you know, I've got there's a whole host of reasons that I I recognise, but um, I, I just felt that there was more to life, and I wanted to go out and explore that, and I couldn't do that being in the military, yeah. and. And since, hence the the transition and you know getting into fitness and then I was fortunate to you know have served with a couple of guys who um, knew the casting agent and the casting agent had been tasked by the production company to kind of find a guy of the mold that uh, I ended up playing that role as the commander. It's funny, I, I watch those biggest losers and it's uh, it's it's funny you say that and meeting you now in person, like we've mm-hmm. touched on, you are that kind of that softy, but you are that, you know, quite, you know, deep thought thinker, you're very, um, you know, genuine, just that really nice, empathetic type guy. But I used to watch you on the TV screen, it's, oh, here's the commander and you'd walk out and you're sunny. Yeah. We, we wouldn't, wouldn't say much and you'd be yeah. like, you're a bit of a buddy hard ass, that's for sure. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, that's... That that can be in each and every one of us, mm. but then that's seeing that's seeing snippets of people too, and that that was a television show where there there was an editing process, and they could they needed to narrate and tell a story as well. And the role that I played as the commando, that's initially what they wanted, and to a degree they got that because mm. I was so fresh out of the military, I was still very much that line: you're either in or you're out. There's no there's no middle ground. It's like, step up to the plate, buddy. Like, you know, this is what needs to be done. And I used to feel sorry for the contestants who ended up in my team because it's not that they got to choose to be with me. That was like, all right, so, so you, you and you, you're going with, uh, you know, Shannon, you're going with Michelle and the rest of you got commando. And, uh, and, uh, and then they had to, they had to um, withstand, you know, what it is that I kind of, you know, threw their way. But there was also behind... The, the scenes and the like, um, a lot of relationship building because I recognised that, um, and from my, my own life experience in the military, that 
there's a number of different ways in which you can kind of motivate and encourage people to uh, to do what needs to be done. And one of them is fear. But the unfortunate, well, the unfortunate, the, the thing with fear is you can point the finger and demand of others and like really like use, I guess, shame. aggression. And, and, and shame is a part of that as well. Um, when you turn your back and walk away, they're going to give you the middle finger mm-hmm. and, and, and you haven't helped them um, understand and come up with the intent and the reasons why they need to do it for themselves. You it- just told them, you demanded it of them. And, and I recognize that encouraging them and well, being their well, friend, but it's like empowering people em- rather em- than shaming them into behaviour change. Yeah, and and then and that's one of the things that to this day uh, I even uphold for myself is I used to say to them all the time, "What are you going to do when the cameras are off, the lights are off, the doors are closed, and there's no one else around? That's when it matters most, and you need to be able to find that within yourself. And then we go about you know the exploration and and learning. Because it was different for each and every one of them, but collectively at the start they had to work as a, some of the time they had to work as a team. That's what got them to the next stage of then going on to the individual part of the um, of of the the competition as mm. such. It, it was very heavy, and um, it was like I, I constantly had the body armor on, and I had to kind of uphold this expectation. Mm. And um, so again, that wasn't the real you. Is that what you're saying? No, no. Well, I guess parts of your character you kind of embody that, and you 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 allow that to be, and you identify with it. But there was also that other part of me that recognised ultimately that's not me. Mm. And it again, it took a long time a to just accept that role because I always used to think, well, you know, why have I been fortunate enough to you know have this profile and um you know this role on this television show and this and that and blah 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 and um. When I got to that place of acceptance, it helped to just calm me a little bit. And then from that, the recognition that there was profile and then others, how they perceived profile, like a lot of the time it gets thrown in your face. It's like, because uh, it's like, well, you've got this profile and they don't. So then they they want to cut you off at the knees for having it. tall poppy syndrome. tall poppy, yes. But it, it can be pretty heavy to wear at times and the things that are said about you and even your personal life that gets spilt into the media, you know, not many people have to live their life, you know, worrying about whether that's going to happen or not. And I really don't care so much about myself, but I've got children. Did you prepare for that? That um, Well, no. It, it, again, it these things... Sounds like these a, things. The, like it almost happened by accident with the biggest loser. But, but do you, you know, if I get to the heart of certain things and that whole thing around acceptance when I was a kid... Um, I think that I, 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 I seek acceptance and this this willingness or not this, this this drive to belong so much that it's like the universe said you want it you want you you want acceptance buddy well here you go we're going to give you we're, yeah well we're you know, we're going to give you this profile and all of this and all of that and um, deal with it mm-hmm. and, yeah, exactly and, uh, just and here you go like yeah, you're on yeah. your own you, you here want now. it you want it well here it is in spades and was, was, and, it, was uh, it during this time because you've obviously re- uh, recently been open with your um, battles with depression hmm. was it during this time when, when was the pivotal time for you that you thought actually I'm I'm fucking struggling here and when was it that you decided to talk sounds about? like well, you've I, done a lot of work on yourself yeah but I, I think it comes at the in the stages of life and, and it was again um, 
in that uh, that that mid thirties, kind of, and um, it, it was more in the, the 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 personal side of things and relationship side of things is something that I've I've never I guess quite figured out, and um, it's never been you know a strength of mine. I think a lot of that has been you know, certain hang ups in in my childhood and uh, uh, things like trust and 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 the like that. Um, have you heard of attachment theories? Yeah, definitely. I've definitely got attachment issues and um, and uh, you know certain anxieties around um, separation, you know, separation anxieties and the like. And mm. I'm recognizing all those things. If you would ask me those questions when I was in my late twenties, what are you freaking talking? Get stuff. I don't even want to talk about exactly. it. Exactly, I don't want to talk you know? about it. Now that's the biggest one. And you just hit the nail on the head, which we're trying to do because with this it, podcast. But it creates a lot of discomfort Absolutely. within you, and and. All, a lot of the time, how people interpret how others react to certain things, they take it on as though, hang on, but there is such a an agitation within us that we don't know then how to handle it. And what that is is fear. It's just fear of the unknown mm, and then back that. to acceptance. We talk about on this podcast getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm. Talking about suicide to me is something I'm really passionate about. It's bloody ridiculous that the most common cause of death in young people is suicide, but it still makes people so... Uncomfortable talking about it and talking about attachment and our childhoods and how that impacts our relationships. Because we're all human. It's all in us. Everything. We we all have the same emotions. You know, we all – we don't differentiate all that much in certain things. And to hear about suicide, you know, we it touches on things within us that we, we may not have – or, or aren't ready to, to come to terms with and accept or reconcile with and the like. And it can make some people really angry and agitated. It's like, that's just a cop out, you know, someone taking their life. That's just bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, I, I'm, you know, I've, I've even thought those things when I was younger and, and my mates. It was like there's almost this this place of being too proud and, and the like and, you know, they're just pussies. You're, and, having, you a, know, you're having a down day. Fucking, yeah. You know, pull your head up, yeah. get on with it. It's, but yeah, I, it's I remember – um, I, I did kung fu for a number of years when I left the military, and I remember one of the, the or the sifu who who ran the the place, and I, I and I was talking to him about just feeling a bit down and out, and that's that's one of the things he goes, he, and and he has a psychology a psychology background too. He said everyone experiences their down days and you know gets in the dumps, but the, it's it's the ones who recognise that and do something about turning it around. I think it's such an important concept to understand is we all go through hard times yeah. and trying to live a life that we avoid those hard times is just a recipe for disaster and disappointment. It's more about learning the skills and resilience and awareness to deal with them yeah. and know that they'll pass. Yeah, exactly. And for me, um, exercise has helped me get to that place But um, and, and, and then extending on that is if you look at, I guess, the the yin and yang, you know, we, we see that, that, that symbol or that, that emblem as such and the, the polarity of things. I, I was very much the yang. Like I was compulsive. Mm. You know, there was a lot of hyperactivity. There was a lot of agitation. There was a lot of anger. There was even a lot of rage. How did that present in your life? Like how did that come across and impact your day-to-day life? Well, like, hey, it's asked for in the military. It was perfect. You know, I got to express myself in that way. You know, ba- shooting weapons, ba- doing all training ba- courses, oh, running mate, was, through. You, you're told. I was to bloody be, good at it. You're told to just take your yeah, anger cul- out. You cultivate yeah. it, like you foster it. You're, it's encouraged. But I think the unfortunate thing is, 
with that type of training and being, you're not encouraged to to embrace those other facets of what it means to be human and you know be more gentle and and that's I guess in the true sense when we talk about warrior terms is the the ability to embrace all of it, not just be or approach all aspects of life with a certain way of being. You can you can flow in and out of your yin and your yang. And that's something that I've really encouraged with myself to do is to embrace more of the yin, the feminine qualities within myself, to be calm, to be that. still, to be kind, to be compassionate, empathetic. You know, to, to observe certain things and just go, I don't even need to involve myself in it. I wish, like, and that's like that is so powerful. And obviously, and for people listening to understand, I, I, I assume that's taken you a long time to get to that stage. Yeah. And I still have those times where you know you're getting frustrated in the traffic, or you're you're letting small things really just set you off. And I often think, like, I wish I could just just not let that affect me, but it does. Well, and 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 for me, it's it, the meditation mm. and and even Yin Yoga. Like yin yoga, I, I, and a lot of people go, oh, but this is the hardest yoga. And this is, again, we're, we're, we're looking at the output. I'm that yang, person. When yin. I accidentally enroll in a yin, I'm like, oh, God, I wasted an hour of my time. <laughs> but, but, but it's actually the most hardest mm. because to sit and be still and to be with be yourself present. and to be present and follow your breath and to, to calm a lot of the tension and just allow yourself to be. That's that's things that we we haven't been taught our whole lives, and I think humanity is at a place now, and I think there's enough human oh sorry humans enough adults connecting and and aware of this that and and you're seeing it we're starting to impart that with our children, mm. so we're not it's not we're we're teaching our children anything new because they're already doing it we're just cultivating it more in them. It is interesting you, you can clearly tell your passion with this, which I mm. love. And it's it's awesome the the transformation you've had with this passion of things like mindfulness and your meditation, the mm. powerful parts that you can instill in your own self and which you're gonna naturally probably pass down to your kids, which is which is powerful. But I think it's important that we just do touch on very quickly here that obviously, you know, we started the podcast off with the where where you are at your happiest, right? Yep. And in all amongst all this amazing journey you've had when were you, you? When were you most down, or when did you have your your darkest yeah. days? And can you put it down to one moment, or if you really look back and thinking you weren't in a great place? Like oh, de- definitely in my teens. Like I, I, I used to hurt myself. Like I would use exercise to hurt myself, and then there was physical. Like I would use a lighter and stuff. And like, did, did you see that like, as a problem at the time? I never spoke to anyone about it. It's, um, but I knew within myself that I was hurting, and that's why I engaged with physical. E- activity because it helped to quell the hurting and that 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 suffering I guess or that pain at that um, that point in time yeah you know, even to this day like I you know I think the the difference and those things still come up for me is um, is the 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 awareness the mindfulness that um, of of things and and how I'm feeling and the like, and not being so overwhelmed or consumed by those emotions, like a willingness to be in touch with those emotions and those feelings. And if I'm feeling depressed and down, that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like it, it will it will pass. And then the, the elation and the excitement of things as well. Um, you know, they'll last Learning. for a short period of time, and it'll come and go. But um. I guess it's through reading and it's it's the understanding, but 
the greatest lessons that I've I've learned is sitting and and meditating, just just being and and having a little mantra um, or affirmation that I can just um, I, I recite. You know, I guess you know I don't have to say it verbally as such, but I'm just rolling over it in my mind as I follow my breath in and I follow my breath out, and learning to be with discomfort and with my anger and my upset and my sadness and my love and my joy and and learning how to cultivate things more so than others, you know, where I draw my attention. You know, I remember some of the pain when I first started meditating that I used to feel. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that, you know, and there's people that are much better at this stuff than me, is stored emotion. It's years of of stuff that's been suppressed. And I'm 44 now, and I've never felt so liberated and and light on my feet um, in – in all of my life, as I do right now, the past few years, you, you think you've accepted and reconciled and come to terms with certain things, and then there's, you just get this kick in the ass. You know what I mean? And it kind of mm. shunts you from the path that you're on, and you divert for a period of time, and you're like, "Hang on a second, but that's where I want to be back over here." But then there's a journey of, you know down on your hands and knees and you're crawling and you feel like you 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 you're crawling a clock across the a, bitumen metaphorically yeah, leopard crawling yeah, you know that's what I was thinking <laughs> yeah. you saw me thinking I was yeah, going to say it you um, reenacting it but it's and, like and, an analogy for and, life and um you know, even even as of late and I've I've felt down in the dumps and I've picked up the phone and I've I've called a mate and 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 the mate said mate you know what to do he said you just you need a bit of time out you need to just put some space around things for yourself. Just, just breathe. Just you know, remind yourself of the things that you're grateful for, and you know, just you know, be attentive to the present moment and the and the small things. And it's like, thanks, mate. Like that makes me feel a lot better. You, you, you say that, um, Steve, and you say even now, you know, you get down the dumps and you call that mate. Is that a, a same mate you call every time? Is that someone you can confine with who can help you through those those moments, or do you find there's a couple? Or oh, the, yeah, there's definitely a couple of mates. Um, you know, and, and a lot of those mates are mates I was in the military with. You have had a fascinating journey with with not only your career, but from the sounds of it, your mental health, starting from when you're a teenager and what mm-hmm. you've learnt about yourself, and then how you've come to deal with that yourself mm-hmm. through the things like meditation, mindfulness picking that phone up and calling your mate to say, hey, mate, I'm struggling. That's all something we can all absolutely take away. But for those, I guess, ex-Army colleagues who, you know, and I I do want to talk about it because it is absolutely an issue, who did have taken their own life, Mm. you've you've no doubt got a few of those. Um, With what you know now, what what would you say to, to people who are struggling in the midst of that, they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, um, and looking back at the mates you've lost, gosh, it's it's really hard, hey. But it's um, we all have you know our ups and downs, and it's um, it's it, it's it's definitely it's reaching out to somebody, and we wear a lot of our stuff quite heavy, and um, it it also gives creates justifications to be a certain way. Um, and you don't have to be that way if you choose not to be. But that's easy. That's it's it's easy for me to say that because it's then to embody that and to put the practice in to encourage an, another way of being. Um, if you and and 
to self-actualize and be able to do that, 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 that takes a lot. And um, that's why you know, we were talking earlier, we're humans and we're social beings and we need one another. And when we're feeling down, you know, it, asking someone else for help and the like, and it's a lot of us, it's we, uh, uh, military-wise, I think it, we, we're too proud. It, our ego gets in the way. I think as we get a little older... It's just not in military. I, you know, as a doctor, we have really high rates of suicide. Yeah, but... Bloody oath. I would... You know, I've... Looking back at times, I've been really struggling with my mental health and I should have taken time off, but mm. I didn't want to be that person that said, I can't deal with this pressure. It's expectation, isn't it? You said a word before, you go, uh, standards. You know, we, we uphold these certain standards and we think we need to conform to this... Um, framework mm. and when we're not sitting within that framework there's something wrong mm. and I don't want to put my hand up and say I'm just I'm not there today mm. um, but we're we're all learning that we can't be in, you know in that place all the time and it's okay not to be because that's actually and the funny thing is, in the military, they talk about strengths and weaknesses all the time, understanding and identifying strengths and weaknesses, working to your strengths and weaknesses, because that's what brings the team together. Mm. Yet, we, and we're getting better at it, but we really weren't um, understanding what we consider as weaknesses all that well. Look, Steve, it's... Um you know, you have you have had an amazing journey, and you, we can honestly probably talk for hours about. I feel like we've just touched the surface on some mm. of it, but like since you know your, your upbringing and what you've learned from such a young age to dealing with anger and, and who you were as a person to transitioning to the army at a pretty young age, and you know, spent a, ten years in the army, you know, being a commando, wearing that literal uniform, mm. and and um, you know, being that that physically tough, robust soldier. Um, then sort of transitioning out of that, finding your identity again, ending up at The Biggest Loser for, for 10 years of your life in that public spotlight, yep. the pressures that comes with that. But then what I find fascinating is through all of that, you've obviously got four kids. Yeah. You've had to be that role model, that father figure, um, which like we touched on, can be bloody difficult. Yeah. But then you've you've learned so much about yourself and the, the, the wisdom is um, astonishing. And I think it's very powerful some of the things you've been saying about you know, like you could just, yeah, the, the hours of conversations, we could go into it. But ultimately, the mindfulness piece, being in the present, that you are enough. Um, mm. it, it's just, it's it's some serious take-homes, which I think everyone... Simple but serious. Yeah, everyone can take mm. away from that. And I think you mentioned the word values before. And I just wanted to, um, you know, before we sort of finish up the episode, we got sent a challenge from our guest last week, uh, Moses Enrique's, um, and he's a big one for values and... And he set us a bit of a task to sort of say, look, what what, what are your three values? Um, so, you know, just so I don't put you on the spot straight away, I'll quickly ask Izzy, what was uh, from last week's episode, what were your three values that you kind of kind of uh, wrote down without going into too much detail, but just kind of so we can get understanding of that? I thought I was copying Moses a little bit. <laughs> um, but my first one was kindness to others and myself. My second one was trying to be – I realise these aren't values. They're things I'm working towards. No, that's good. So the first one was kindness to others and myself. The second one was trying to be more present. And the third one was my worth as a person not being dependent on external validation. So not what other people think of me or, you know, accolades of, you know, what I think about myself being the most important thing. Yeah, and I love those, Izzy, but it's, um, you know, knowing you for as long as I have now and, and understanding you more and more the more we chat, I feel like you can um, – 
have the you know the pressures you put on yourself, and you can be a pretty pretty tough critic on yourself. I'm trying to get better. I, I'm being hard on myself for being too hard on myself now. <laughs> I know. It's funny how we do that, though. I know it is, but no. That's, what were yours? What were um, your values? Look, mine was, and it's uh, we just touched on it then. Um, I am like I am enough. You know, I, I often I, I don't think I am. Um, you know, whether with what I've gone through on my health journey, professional journey, I just don't think. Sometimes I put myself down a bit, um, mm. which I don't think is good because I try and put other people up and I'm always there for other people, but then I put myself down, which I I don't like that, but I know I do it. Um, so for me, it's working on that to say I am enough and I think that's important. Um, then it's gratitude, which we, we've, we've touched on that a bit, and then empathy is the, the other one. But you kind of, not just empathy towards others, but for yourself. So a few of them are hand in hand. And uh, I think, Steve, you've probably got... Many, um, but if you had to kind of pick a, a, well, couple, a, a few of your core values, what would they be? Well, I, I, I'd wrap it up in um, in one, and I've derived it from um, a wonderful human being who I never got to meet. He passed away recently, Ram Das. He was an American, and his was loving, be loving awareness. Like in everything you do, just be awareness but how you go about or how you utilise that awareness is in a loving way. And to even hear myself say the word love, and I've done it many a times now, and I've put it out there into the universe and into more of the the, the, the public forum or arena, um, I, I've, it makes me smile because I, like, like yeah, I, I feel like... You're lighting up like a schoolboy. I feel because... It takes time to cultivate that, and a lot of the, uh, and for a lot of us, we aren't willing to share, especially with those that we feel safest with, certain things until we've come to terms with them or we, we're comfortable enough with them. Let alone out into society, mm. and um, you know, to hear the word love years ago, or to even try and talk about love, oh, oh mate, I would have, I would have, I would have been running. But, but, oh, but, isn't, gone. but isn't interesting, could you imagine, you know, in your commando days with the lads around sort of, you know. Mm. Saying my number one value is love. Love and aware. But you're right, you, you have these, and even, you know, you're on your on, on the biggest loser being that that sort of that tough figure, the commando. I think even now people listening to this who might not know your story, they probably have mm. this perception of you. And to hear you say, you know, the whole love and awareness piece, and I think it's very powerful. I, I, I ultimately, with, and you asked, some stuff before around religion and the like. I, ultimately, I I I feel um, that everything is love, and you know, even even some of those very strong emotions that we we deem are destructive, and you know we talk about you know things like suicide and a lot of sadness and pain and the like. But the polarity to that sh- or, or what that stuff shows us, if we're willing to investigate, is the opposite. And the opposite is all of those other you know, very wonderful emotions um, that we can experience. And that's all, all of those. They're wrapped up in love. I, I feel like the world definitely needs a bit more love at Doesn't the moment. It? So I think that's a good way to start finishing up. No, I love it. Everything is love. And um, look, we will just finish up on the, the quick little weekly challenge that we like setting our, de- our guests. And it's, uh, it's all to do with connection. Mm-hmm. You literally said it before and you pick the phone up when you're struggling, you call a mate. But we just like to... to get our guests to reach out to mm. someone they haven't heard from in a while, someone yeah. who, you know, they think they, they might do with a bit of whether it's a message or a phone call and being the one on the front foot to go, hey, mate, 
how are you going? Haven't heard from you in a while. Yep. So our challenge to you is, you know, whether it's an old army colleague or whatever, but, for, you know, within the next week or so, just to reach out to that person. We, we kind of get our listeners to hopefully find someone new every week to reach out to and we yeah. can hopefully continue those conversations. Um, but then, then also, lastly, before we finish, first of all, are you up for that? Yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, take definitely. it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I even did the little army bloody. I know, uh, right? The army pointing at you just. <laughs> I'm said. totally feeling left out here. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but then also for for us to to wrap up the episode and yeah. for the listeners, what is something that we can take away and we can challenge ourselves for the next week that we can do? I'm really worried he's going to say meditation. Yeah, well, uh, I guess you, <laughs> or or, 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 you or create, creating, cre- yeah, creating space and, and meditation. But meditation doesn't have to be just sitting. And 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 um, and being, you can do something like a, a walking meditation, and bringing yourself. It, it's all around just being more present, and uniting and connecting your mind and your body, or your heart and your mind. And when that logical mind that and and, and the heart, which is more intuitive, those two things come together, like you know, your presence is just. So, it, it, so what can we do? As in. You know, is that sitting down for ten minutes, um, being present? Is it you know going to a, a Yin yoga class? Is there something you find, that- find something that I guess is a starting point for yep. you, and that could be sitting quietly for five minutes and just being with what is. Okay. And Done. for example, like counting to ten. So one is your in breath, two is your out breath. Go to ten, and like an old school typewriter, go back to one, up cool. to ten, back to one, up to ten. I actually use that on a Survivor challenge, bouncing the ball on that bloody thing for an hour. I counted one to ten for an hour even, counting even, the ball. We've even bloody spoken more. about Survivor. But, um, so much to talk about yeah. here, but that's but, awesome. So for those listening as well, it doesn't have to be going to a meditation class. It can no. just be present, be mindful, you know, just finding that time, and I think we can both definitely do that. Hugo, how about ten minutes every day for the next week? Challenge, you and I, meditation. Day. So from now to now, okay, and it's just sitting down in that quiet space, being present. My partner probably listens to this thinking, yep, you do need to do that, Hugo, so I'll be doing that. But no, look, Steve, it's um, it's been amazing having you on this podcast. We have learned so much, and I think it's just amazing to delve behind the uniform, and that's why we're talking about this, what the podcast is all about, but that metaphor for the uniform is, and I think for people who probably don't know your story, hopefully they can have an understanding of the type of person you are, and uh, we appreciate you opening up and sharing that story. Um, And ultimately, you know, I loved that quote you said, that everything is love. Everything is love. So (laughs) I think it's, uh, yeah. I'll remember that when I come to your boot camp and say, Steve, you told me everything was love. Stop making me do any more (laughs) push-ups. And on that, actually, let's uh, let's try locking a time where we can actually go to one of your boot camps. Sure. Can't wait. I think that'll be a bit of fun. Thanks, Steve. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks, guys.